Why not? Should we'll just start you, it and I'll say they're going to do the intro and I'm going to the bathroom real quick. Yeah, do that. No, that's right. <laughs> so you're good. So go ahead and go. Oh, what you did just this? mean that? <laughs> All right. So welcome to uh, uh, the Gorilla Social Work Podcast, episode 26, 26 apparently. Yeah. 26. Okay. So today we're going to be talking about moral dilemmas. We have our excellent guest, Mr. Brett Hoxer, here today. He's one of our, uh, what, most favorite favorite therapist on the planet yeah one of the ogs too oh oh yeah yeah, yeah. he's been around from right right around from the get-go one of the original that dude reached out to me and the way he reached out to me like he sent me a letter and i opened it up and it was like there was anthrax in there oh yeah well i don't know anthrax and or just a letter but <laughs> it could have been anthrax but maybe not and that and by letter i mean i think he sent me an email and said hey are you guys hiring <laughs> Which I thought was pretty ambitious to just say, hey, are you guys hiring? I thought that was pretty cool. That was kind of <laughs> like, oh, well, I don't know. Are we? That was kind of the, the the initial days of Alpha. So speaking of Alpha, this podcast is brought to you by uh, Alpha Counseling and Treatment. Um, Alpha is the largest and most respected provider for justice-involved clients in need of sexual offense-specific treatment services as well as any other forensic treatment services. If you're involved in the criminal justice system, Alpha is the ticket for you. So um, we're JRI certified. Uh, We provide moral recognition therapy, substance use disorder treatment to any justice-involved clients. Um, We have clinical professionals have over 60 years of combined experience in providing clinical treatment in both inpatient and outpatient settings, Uh, provide evidence-based practice using cognitive behavioral interventions. Um, Anything else we got to say about Alpha? Other than we're awesome? Yeah, we're awesome. That's the other yeah. piece. Yeah. That'll be... Okay, yeah. Any other advertisements we got to plug Yeah, today? we actually have a new one here. Oh, sweet. Yeah, so I have a script here that our sponsor instructed us to read verbatim. So here Isn't we go. Isn't that weird? Yeah. yeah. Spice that up, dude. This is from mindysmutts.com. So if you have some time, please check out mindysmutts.com. It's a super subscription-based website. If you liked the CD-ROM version of MindyMutz.com, then you will love this site, MindysMutz.com. For the first time ever, Mindy's Mutz is opening our massive database of information on our furry friends directly to you. What does this mean for me, you might ask? Well, it means you could be amongst the small group of people who have access to the information that has been locked away in our vaults literally for years, all on MindysMutz.com. MindysMutz.com is a comprehensive study of all things puppy with your furry friends in mind. So if you're interested in what Mindy's Mutz entails, you know what to do. Log on to MindysMutz.com and type in the promo code Gorilla Social Work, because why wouldn't you? That's G-U-E-R-R-I-L-L-A. A-S-O-C-I-A-L-W-O-R-K. Gorilla Social Work. And just eat them up, eat them up, eat them up, yum. Mindy'sMutts.com. Yeah, so that's, Bro, uh, that's what we had to do. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you just put Mindy's Mutts out of business. That's <laughs> <laughs> so how I was told to read it. <laughs> like, like an idiot. <laughs> well, I, hey, uh, yeah, they're, they're not a loyal sponsor yet, but maybe, maybe, uh, well, I don't know. We well, good, yeah, good luck, hope. Mindy's Mutts. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's get cracking. Yep. My uh, wait, wait, right, wait for now it. Now we're we're rolling. We're wait rolling. Yeah, Mr. Brett Hoxer, 
What's up? You glad to be here, brother? Super glad to be here. Remember the last podcast you did? I do. It when it was train wreck. I yeah. do. It was when, bad. When it was with Nita. It's, let's blame Nita. That's that's what I'm. That's it was, my philosophy in life. It lately. was her fault. I mean, if we're if we're being honest here, super it's her fault. Totally her fault. That's how I remember it. I love passing back the microphone. Yeah, we didn't have every, enough. Yeah, it was ultimately my fault because we didn't have enough microphones. So they were we're like, yeah, it'll, it'll work. Just hand it off between the two of you, which <laughs> just equals out to be an hour. Of <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah it, was, it wasn't very good. Yeah. That yeah. was one of the never released episodes that was in the. It's going to be the director's cut. The vault. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when, we're, when we're dead, they're going to release it. The director's yeah, the cut, like that. Possumous version. Remember of, that? Remember that um, Alexander movie by Oliver Stone? Oh, so then, awful. so it was like the worst. Sucked. It was the worst movie ever. And then they d- released the director's cut, and it was even shittier. Like, yeah, <laughs> you're supposed to make it better. Yeah. <laughs> and then it was, and then it was the the, the director's director's cut. Like, <laughs> that was a rough movie. Dude, that was it, pretty nothing brutal. you could do about that would get it better. And it was so promising too, you know, because like oh. it had. Who, so who was it? Colin Farrell. Colin Farrell. Yeah. But Jared Leto was in that too. Jared Leto. Had a good cast. And, dude, and then uh, like, Angelina was Angelina Jolene in that. She was. Yeah. I, and that's the problem. We don't even remember who's in it. It was right. so bad. I think Rosario Dawson was in it too. Yeah. But like, uh, like if it had, if it had Jared Leto and Colin Farrell like making out and stuff, I was like, that's okay. I can I can look at that. That that's, wasn't the problem with. Yeah. It. No. I was, it was I was actually just look, awful. I was looking forward to that actually. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Watch yeah. those beautiful men kiss. Yeah. yeah. Dude, have you seen the new Mission Impossible? Not yet. Oh my goodness, dude. Oh, it's pretty great. It's it's awesome. Is it? It is so no, it. so good. Great. So good. Wait, you have seen it, Hunter? No, I haven't. Oh. Isn't this where like good. didn't he like legit break his ankle on one of the things? He was yeah. like jumping between buildings right. or whatever. He's yeah. nuts. He's up. hot too, bro. I mean, he's still pretty hot. <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> man, like maybe Scientology isn't that far off. Like I mean, he's doing okay. Yeah, you know, and he's yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's, what? Tr- that's true. He's There's something in the water over there. <laughs> <laughs> what? I think he was doing okay before Scientology, but that's all right. Oh. Yeah. He's born into it. Oh, he was? Yeah. Fourth of July. I love that they make you, dude. The funny thing about it is, and I don't know if it's funny, I love how they sign, a, like you sign the contract for like bi- a billion years or something like that. Isn't that, <laughs> yeah. isn't like, or four yeah, billion some years? Yeah, stupid number. Yeah. No, but like that's, that's not seems, stupid if you believe it. It's cool. That seems like, that seems like a, I mean, that's pretty fair. If that's you pretty right smart too. Because in any other religion, dude, you're in it for forever, eternity, right? You're in it for eternity. Like there's no that's four true. billion oh, years. There's only a billion. Right. When it comes to a, an eternity, what's a Billion, that's a billion. Son. That's not the bad. drop that's in the not bucket. Bad. Jeez, an eternity? Come on now. Huh. Speaking that would of, be quite the dilemma whether or not I'd sign that contract. Ooh, look at that segue. <laughs> yeah. that segue. Yeah. Dude, yeah. segues are the worst. I was going to try. I remember, gonna try to, remember when that was supposed to revolutionize transportation? Oh, the actual yeah, segues. I'm talking about the other, the stupid segue that you stand on. Oh my goodness! Yeah, yeah. and then like, and then. Did you know that guy, he died on one? The yeah. guy that invented it died on a He went off a cliff on a Segway. You, know you know what the Segway reminds me of? It reminds me of that South Park, the, the, yeah. bike, the bike that's hard yeah. to ride. <laughs> yeah. You're all, I love it. It's like just, the bike's nearly impossible to ride. You're like, you, you look at the it. The handlebars are all bent down. It's got Dude, that, that wheel awesome. in the middle that's yeah. all oval shaped. It's like, <laughs> I was like, that reminds me of that, but it's uh Speaking of, of of part of this part of this, we're talking today um, about moral dilemmas. Part of this was about um, they were talking about. I think it was on Rogan's podcast. They were talking about autonomous cars, and like um, how they were saying that that's if 
are those ethical to have those on the road? Because didn't somebody get killed by one or something like that recently? Maybe. maybe. Yeah, so there was one involved where they found out it was the car's fault, like a lady got hit or something. But I yeah, remember hearing yeah. about that. It was yeah. the car's yeah. deal. But they're only saying there was like, there's only been one. And I'm like, yeah, but, but, but how many autonomous cars are on the road right now? There's like five. Yeah, like mm-hmm. percentage-wise, it's not good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 If yeah. you look at it like per capita, that's awful. Yeah. <laughs> it kills 20% of people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, but no, this is uh, – so before we get into this, so how long have you been with us, Brett? Uh, I think just over three years. My man, look at yeah, that. Yeah, it's been a minute. Yeah. And then you – what's your function here? What's my function? You're a ther- junction, you're, junction. You're a therapist. <laughs> I know that. I am a therapist. Yeah. And then you, but you primarily, you're at our jail facility mm-hmm. a ton. So I do, I do a couple of days over at Weaver County Jail, uh-huh. our contract there. And then I do our outpatient stuff here in Ogden as well. Used oh. to do Salt Lake, but then I moved. I know. Because you got to bang a new house that we, need to, yeah. that we need to ruin, by the way. Dude, yeah, see, here's the thing. Trash it. I'm going to call you on that because you keep on saying that, but I haven't seen you. I have yet to get the invite. Well, you have an invite. Well, no, you just get housewarming but, party. Well, it's, it's, last I checked, if you were going to have someone come trash your house, you don't exactly send out. No, that's the RSVPs. best part. Just, just show up. Yeah. I'm just ruin my house. I'm just well. Okay, <laughs> now, I'm just going to say this is one of those "be careful what you wish for" moments. Like, there's we'll the see. we say, okay, we're going to trash Brett's house, you know, and you go and normally you go over there and like, oh, we're going to dump these crackers on his floor. I'm telling you, the last house, stories. remember that Salt Lake house that we went to? <laughs> I was thinking about that the other day, actually. <laughs> I think uh, about that every day. <laughs> wake up in a shower. Yeah. Is that the one where Alan was doing shots of dish soap? Yeah. <laughs> oh. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. And we kept putting stuff in the microwave, and that guy got so mad at us. I don't know why. Yeah. <laughs> You're not supposed to put CD collections in the microwave. Dude, these, yeah, these crackers look good. Just smash them and put them back in the yeah. yeah. Get in their pantry and ruin all their food. <laughs> yeah, don't even eat it. Uh, we were jerks back then. So, well, anyway, so when we talk about moral dilemmas, um, basically the purpose of this, when we talk, we usually do this in a group session. And um, so one of the things we try to help our clients understand is that, <clears throat> excuse me, even though that they, um, there's rules and uh, that we talk about, a lot of the stuff we talk about on the podcast is about rules that they have regarding their probation and parole. But those rules, um, I mean, there's such a high standard sometimes, and there should be because these sometimes are high-risk sex, sex offenders transitioning to the community. Those rules sometimes come into conflict with one another. And so they still, when they come into conflict, in other words, they have to say, okay, I'm going to do this or I'm going to do this, and they have to make a choice. They can't just not make a choice. And what we're trying to say is, Okay, start to think of these these um, moral choices and, and morality we talk about. Okay, this is right, this is wrong. Understanding like the way that you think about these things helps the clients ter- determine how they behave. And um, we this process that we go through today, we're going to go through a few different moral dilemmas, um, but uh, and give and give the listeners an understanding, at least from our perspective, what we would do in these situations. We usually pose these questions to clients. And they're all, these are all fake. None of this stuff's ever going to happen. Um, but it's a thought experiment. And what it does is it, the resolution means that you have to make a choice and the choice may be unsettling, but nevertheless, we want them to start using a thought process. And it starts to, even though these are kind of extreme examples, it starts to give rise to them to give them insight into how their, how their minds work in terms of morality. Because morality is very um, relative to the individual from one person to another person. What Jeff thinks is right and wrong 
I may disagree with. Um, same thing with Brett. Same thing with Justin. So that's kind of the that's kind of the crux of this. Even though this hasn't always gone off without a hitch in some groups, haven't I like sent dudes into like seizures or something? Yeah. this group. It, it's been a couple of years at this point, but I had Mace cover a group for me once. <laughs> I was out of town or something, and Mace runs this moral dilemma group, and I I, I had not previously been exposed to the way that mace runs this particular group before so i didn't know what was what was going to happen but i got i got uh phone calls and text messages from two separate clients um both of them saying how traumatized they were from mace's group (laughs) one of them uh said he had a flashback and went right across the street from our Arden office and got himself a tall boy and chugged it and then uh, I think the other guy went home and drank also, like so, and and then proceeded to tell me about it and I talked about uh, the way that Mace's group had triggered them, and I did not know. Uh, like I, I called Mace up, and like I mean, I was half amused, half upset because you kind of like <laughs> set, like set my clients back a good six months and treatment as far as how i'd helped him come on now son you know what you know what that's indicative of what that says is that you think about the groups previous to that jeff just playing patty cake with these yeah, dudes what's you doing in, in <laughs> yeah. group jeff he just busts out candy land he's all this is what we're gonna Let's do go for, group for today guys yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so then i, 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 I was take like the gentle approach yeah. and i have candy in my groups well, um, so for any listener kind of going over this, I guess uh, defining this immoral dilemma, if you guys are wondering what that actually means. So everybody knows a dilemma is like an argument presenting two or more equally conclusive alternatives. And a moral dilemma, on the other hand, poses a choice between equally unsatisfactory alternatives. And it's related to how we ought to act and live. So we'll kind of do some warm-up ones with you guys. I don't, I don't really know if we want to get into these because these are pretty simple, these ones. Because you guys know the origins of the moral dilemma. Like, have you guys uh, obviously heard of, like, the trolley problem? Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, the standard ones. Well, we got to <clears throat> talk about what – well, I mean, are we going to jump right into these? Because I, I think we've got to Well, I don't want kind of to – these out. are just warm-ups. Oh, okay. I want to say, like, this is kind of where this originated. And these are just – these are just thought experiments in ethics. That's all they are. So, so, the, so, the, and we're not. So, this is not what I want to answer, but this is to for people to understand this. So, oh. basically, this is the format, and this is how we're going to do it for, for here today. So, the the rules on this, and I'll repeat these rules. So, when we do this, I kind of tell clients, look, the rules are uh, you're going to have two options to answer the question. Okay, you have to choose one of those options. Every you, every group, there's one guy. Have to. But what if? Right. What I'm if there was? So, so, so the, <laughs> we can do that forever. So there's, there's basically yeah. two rules. You have to answer, and you have to tell me why you chose that answer. The second rule is you can't bring in a third option. So even though there could be third options, like the thing is, is these are thought experiments. They're make-believe. We're pretending mm-hmm. here. So there's elements of this that sometimes you're not going to understand uh, on some of these, and you're going to want to say, well, what, it, you know, what about this? And we, we just got to leave it at that. You know, we can't really interject those. And people get down to that, and it's kind of funny how they get into that. I'll share some experiences I've had in some of these. But Well, there, I mean, there, there's value in doing – there's value in making people choose one option or the other. For and, sure. And that's not to say that it mimics real life, and it's not to say that you're only left with two options. In fact, in treatment, we try to teach these guys to think of as many options as they can, brainstorm options, come up with as many as possible. But I was just going to say, anytime I run this group, this is one of my favorite groups to do, by the way. <clears throat> I always kind of at the end say, like, okay, now real life – What's the third option? Like, let's not get right. so, you know, let's do some problem solving. Like, what's actually, but no, 100% based for purposes of, hey, 
It's not always going to be a perfect, happy There's not always outcome. a third option. Yeah, 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 there's really not. Yeah. Well, well and, and I think that boils down to sometimes we just have to make crappy decisions. For sure. Mm-hmm. And and maybe we might not like the outcome of our decision. But what I – and this is, you know, a lot of cognitive behavioral therapy. Can I pay attention to the thoughts that went through my head that got me to that conclusion? So making a bad decision, well, welcome to being a human being. Mm-hmm. The question is, can I recognize that as a bad decision? Can I go back and understand my thought processes that got me there and intervene on those given more information or more options in the future? That's essentially what we're trying to teach clients anyway. Yeah. So this this railroads them. Pardon the pun, because we're going to talk about tro- trolleys here in a minute. <laughs> That's fun. This railroads them into into making two equally crappy decisions, but some of them are a little bit because these are a little bit more the, these kind of warm up ones are a little bit more obvious, and they set the stage for why why people would do what they do. Um, so the the modern form of this was kind of first introduced by this guy Felipe Foot in 1967, and the trolley problem goes a little bit like this. So you see a runaway trolley moving toward five tied up or otherwise incapacitated people lying on the tracks. <clears throat> Jeez, excuse me. <clears throat> You're standing next to a lever that controls a switch. If you pull the lever, the trolley will be redirected onto a side track and the five people on the main track will be saved. However, there's a single person lying on the side track. You have two choices. So one, you do nothing and allow the trolley to kill the five people on the main track. Two, you pull the lever, diverting the trolley onto the sidetrack where it will kill one person, which is the most ethical choice. So aside from that, I mean, when they did this research, which one do you guys think most people chose? Let the people die. But let the five people die? Yeah. Then, <laughs> well, well I, on paper, because I think there's the aspect where if someone has to fit... Well, yeah, does, now to, we're just answering the question. The but switch. if I have to physically pull the switch to make someone die, I feel like... Because most people on paper would be like, oh, yeah, for sure, make the one person die. But I feel like in real life, how would that really play out? I don't know. Well, so so it's, so it's the research on this, um, it's kind of interesting. They, they said the, the most people, the majority of people surveyed in this, it was about 67%, said they would pull that lever and divert that onto the one mm. person. And so, and essentially when they were asked why, they're just looking at this and saying, okay, well, I, I'm this is... Uh, you know the value of human life i factor that in together one is clearly less than five therefore i pull the lever you know one person dies and um the and just to cite the study on this folks peter singer from ethics and and, um intuitions the journal of ethics this is where that kind of came from so but there's a variation of this okay so they did the same basic issue right but this one has a, a variation it says as before a trolley's hurling down the tracks towards five people. Same scenario, right? But you're on a bridge under which it will pass. So you're standing on a footbridge. You're looking at the trolley. It's barreling down. You see the five people. You And next to you, right, it, you can stop it by putting something very heavy in front of it. And as it happens, there is a uh, woman of size standing next to you. We'll say that, Okay. So enough to derail a train. Yes, sir. In this experiment, <clears throat> yeah. And so every see, time I do this in group, guys are like, ah, "What?" Like, <laughs> just stumble. It's really funny. Anyway, so your only How way to stop she? the trolley <laughs> is to push her over the bridge onto the track, killing her to save five. Should you proceed? And even though the outcome of the, this is exactly the same, one person dies and five people are saved. 
it flip-flops, and mm-hmm. the majority of the people will not push that person off. Why do you guys think that That's is? It's more personal. Yeah. Like, well, you're, you're sure. more like... So, what, what's it, what is it? The Milgram experiment or whatever? Was that the one where they're shocking people? Yeah. Is that, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so uh, yeah. If, if the person was sitting right next to him getting shocked, I feel like people wouldn't push it as far. But, like, where they're behind mm-hmm. a wall or whatever, they can kind of hear them. There's a little more, you're detached. It's funny you say that. It's funny you say that because the, the Milgram experiment, because they, they talk mostly about the baseline study. Mm-hmm. And the baseline study, and maybe that's actually where the 67%, I don't know. People are probably like, oh my God, he's so stupid. Maybe it's 67% of the people who were shocking people took them like all the way through yeah. because of these prompts and they and they were doing this right around the time that Adolf Eichmann was being um, tried for war crimes because of World War II yeah and they were doing the Milgram experiment but the funny thing is is that they did a bunch of variations of that so um, it, it was because they had multiple prompts too they had four prompts I think and as the prompts got more and more when it got to the fourth prompt, it was basically they were trying to say the, if you talk to anybody about the Milgram experiment, they'll say, "Well, that's just a, a, a show of people following orders, right?" So you don't follow orders, and but um, they they got they had people if there was a person sitting in the same room and you're shocking them, it goes down by like by twenty percent. There was another one where you had to put their hand physically on a metal plate yeah. that would shock them. That went down when you had two other people in the room. Um, that would go down. And the one that went down the most was when you had two of the lab technicians arguing with one another, saying we shouldn't do this. And then it went down like to zero. Nobody shocked anybody mm-hmm. after that point. So it's funny because people will, yes, if they're in the other room and you just have a white lab coat dude overbearing you with a clipboard, I don't know why that's scary. Yeah, they yeah, the, follow the, through. Authority figure kind of sit. Sure. Like, sure. Think about that with certain cases, like uh, I think of like insider trading and stuff like that, or like the pyramid schemes where they take people's or Ponzi schemes. I mean, would that person really go walk in someone's house and take that money? No, probably no not way, a chance. Yeah. But if I move numbers around on a screen or talk to people and I get them, it's just numbers in, in on a the sense, computer. It's the same thing, yeah. But it just feels more detached from what's actually totally. happening. Yeah. There's a documentary on Netflix called Dishonesty. Love it. That's um, a good one. Yeah, it's great. And he, uh, Dan Ariely talks about... That guy with the burned face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really yeah. good stuff. I he, hope he never fixes that. <laughs> yeah, I like it. Just look. <laughs> uh, but he talks about that, how they, they have these matrix... matrix matrix experiments where they have people solve these math problems right and then they for have everyone, Keanu Reeves solve it no no, <laughs> <laughs> no so He's they solve these math problems and for every uh, for every one you get right you get a buck right and people just cheat through the roof on these right um, but uh, yeah it's on the honor system yeah, yeah, you got right yeah. one of them and, and the one that like where it escalates particularly is where you turn your sheet in like at a desk on one side of the room and say hey I got 10 right or whatever you right and they give you tokens and then you take those tokens to the other side of the room to a, someone at another desk that's giving out money for these tokens right yeah. and even just that little bit of distance yeah. like versus where if you handed in your test and said hey I got 10 right here's your 10 bucks uh cheating goes through the roof when it's go get your tokens then walk across the room and get your dollars for the tokens yeah. even just that little bit of distance cheating went through the roof yeah so well, it's interesting with distance doesn't it doesn't feel there. like it's actually money yeah same yeah. same idea that casinos operate on they yeah, want you to use totally. chips because it doesn't feel like it's real money yeah yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah well that so the personal feel of this is exactly what they've kind of researched on this and said i mean the, the basic distinction is that in the first case um where i'm just 
nobody intends harm to the other person. Harming the the one person that's going to get rolled over by the trolleys, that's kind of just a side effect of pulling that switch, mm-hmm. right? I'm saving five people, whereas the other one, harming one, is an integral part of saving their lives. So that's where people – so even though the outcome is exactly the same and you know the outcome is exactly the same, you now are much more more close to that. And, and in order to, to save those five people, you have to create harm to do that. And mm. most people won't do that. The majority of people won't do that. Flip-flops on that. It's like uh, if you remember The Dark Knight, love the movie, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's the part where they're on, they got the people on the boats and one boat's, f- boat's full of inmates and the other's full of just regular people. Oh, yeah. yeah. And the, the dude that's like lobbying hardest, he's like, no, we can't. That's fake you know? though, bro. Well, Debo would have grabbed that shit and immediately like... Hundred percent. He would have murked that. He would have murked that captain and taken that thing. He's like, "I'm Debo," and then he's blown up that dude. I would have too. Like, you'd get halfway through that sentence, and I'd be like, "Give me that thing!" Press that button immediately. I think that's what's what's difficult about. So that's a good example. Like the moral dilemma that I usually talk about in my groups is a lot of times it ends up being a situation where like even inaction is a decision even not making a decision is is a decision and I think that's where it gets really tough because even if I don't do anything I'm choosing one of the options that's not ideal for an outcome right right yeah we had a so you'll you'll be in those positions where it's like you're gonna have to choose something and maybe all options just suck so that's that's usually because what happens in my groups of course you get the guys you know bantering back and forth and then they're kind of like sometimes you go like what's the point of this this is never gonna it's like this is the point that you're actually thinking out the options you're not just a knee-jerk reaction how do i feel okay choose this option like you're actually thinking weighing the pros and cons and how am i going to feel about this decision long term you know which ones may be worse long term like that's the whole thing is you're actually thinking that out and especially like the why question like same same experience from these groups like so often this is stupid why are we doing this it's like just what you're doing. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly the point. Think about it, dude. Yeah. What were you going to say? There is – I usually start – before I start jumping into these, I, I actually spend more time talking about what morals are, how we decide what they are. And one of the things that I was going to say earlier is when we put them into a situation where they have to choose A or B and we don't allow them a C, what what we're doing is we're we're making them really clarify what – values they have and what they assume to be moral and then like from there i like to kind of lead the conversation to well what is morality how do we know what's moral and mace earlier you were you were kind of bringing up the problem of moral relativism you know what's right for you isn't right for me isn't right for brett it's right for justin and maybe the four of us can agree on a particular moral but that doesn't necessarily mean that what the four of us agree on matches up with what the rest of society does so right true kind of kind of finding things that are objectively good and objectively bad is kind of tough and so the you know i've actually been looking into this stuff uh, trying to figure out well how do you how do you come up with something universal like a universal objective morality without bringing religion into it because that's kind of the obvious direction people go is you know objective truth means there has to be an omnipotent omniscient being that creates the objective truth well shit what are we doing when not everybody can even agree on if there's a creator or not and which creator to worship and kind of the the idea there is that you know a moral is basically a rule that's designed to positively impact the well-being of a thinking creature so that allows for animals too right because moral decision making involves any kind of thinking animal but it, it, it's centered around well-being and that's what, that's the point i try to make to group members is um we all have self-interest in our own collective well-being and 
um, are, are for the most part, our morals are, are based around that. And so the golden rule, I think is kind of the, the usual moral rule, you know, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And that's good. If everybody's kind of on the same page, <laughs> like if the four of us have, uh, an idea about what right and wrong is, then I'm going to treat Mace the way I think that I would want to be treated because I know that he has that a similar belief system. He's going to probably do the same. And so if we have all the same moral and underpinnings, then um, the golden rule works. Uh, the, the silver rule, though, might be a better rule. What's the silver I've rule? I've never heard of this. It's that that which hurts you do not do to other people. So it's kind of like the golden rule, but with like a negative. So um, if, in other words, if I like Mace, if I were to punch you in the face, I kill you because why straight up, why would you kill me? This is mean to maintain my pride. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If I punch Mace, show you respect. Yeah. Yeah. It would, it would be a damage to his pride and Never maybe also his here. like, his like nose or his lips or wherever. I yeah. They're to ugly punch enough, him. son. Yeah. Oh, they're cute. Uh, so but in other words, it would damage you in some way. It would yeah. either physically damage you or damage your pride, maybe both. Right. And so you'd kill me to retaliate. Well, look. Um, <laughs> what, what, yeah, it escalated which, quickly. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's so immediate. Look, <laughs> the, the, the value of that is that, like, I know that I don't want to get punched in the mouth. And so I'm not going to do that to you either. Mm-hmm. So it, it's, it's like the golden rule, but with, like, a negative on it. Because, again, if I have – the golden rule assumes that – what I deem to be moral is what you deem to be moral. And that might not be the case. So I might be ascribing, I might be ascribing what my personal values are onto you and you might not want to be treated that way. But rather than doing that, I decide, well, right here, right now, I don't want to get punched. So guess what? I'm not going to punch you. So it's that which hurts you do not do to others. And that that's better for creating a moral landscape for people that have different beliefs and that have relative ideas about what good and bad is. And it, 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 Rather than compelling you to action, it compels you to, uh, or it, it stops you from doing a bad thing. It's a simpler thing to right. go by. But that's so, so that's, I think, <clears throat> where Justin's kind of talking about, um, he's saying, you know, not making a decision is a big decision sometimes, uh-huh. right? So I think I agree with what you're saying, but it's not very prescriptive. It's just saying, don't do this. It's, it's incomplete. Not, it's not, I mean, the golden rule to me, I think is flawed because you're saying to somebody do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm counting on something that I actually cannot control. I can't control how others are going to react to me. And even though I would prefer that they do unto me in a certain way, I can't really control that. What I would say instead is do unto others that render you the best possible outcomes. Now, it you have to you have to counter that though a little bit, okay? So do unto others that render the best possible outcomes for you. Right. Okay? That that does not necessarily mean whatsoever that I'm going to take advantage or abuse or anything. It's not like as that. Machiavellian as it sounds. Well, if I <laughs> if I act in self interest always, most of the time, if all of us act in self interest, it's mutually beneficial to one another. If we're both acting in self interest and we're mutually benefiting from one another, it's okay. We're not we're not harming one another, and we both reciprocate because it's in our best interest. Right? T- I think you're talking about the value of capitalism. 
you know, like the, I'm, not, I'm not referring to I'm I'm not what I'm saying is is I'm saying that I don't want to count on others to do those things. I want to I want to control it as much as possible. So I'm going to I'm going to do unto others that render the best possible outcomes for me. And if I do that, I mean that that doesn't rely so I can just be nice to people. Well, and the, expect them to be nice, but being nice to somebody who's a dick doesn't always work. So do I need to do I need to approach that person differently? So yeah, I need to do unto others that's going to get me the best. I don't need to be a dick back, but like think of how many clients that you have that are difficult to work with. You have a different approach with them than clients who are a little bit more, let's say, compliant. Of course. Right? Sure. So that's you doing unto others that's going to render the best possible outcomes for you, not doing unto others as you would have them do unto you. So that that that's partially complete as well then. Because again, it's it's still that has the problem of it not creating an objective moral system. So like you could combine the two. You could say do, do unto others as I would Phrase it again the way you're saying. Do it. unto others that render the best possible outcome. Best possible. For you. Outcome. By the way, Jeff, real quick, pull that closer. Com- the, combined uh, with that's what hurts you. Do not do to others. The, the, I agree with what you're. Yeah, I agree with what you're saying. The only problem with what you're saying is, is that you want an objective moral landscape. Ideally, I think, I think it's impossible. So I'll give you a perfect example for our clients. So our clients, when they go to prison. Do morals change when you go to prison? Of course. You well, bet. I mean, well, you have to. I mean, it depends on what we're saying there. Do you your, have to. Do your adapt. morals change oh, really or do your behaviors change? Do your, do, your be, yeah. do your morals change or do your behaviors change to to fit an adaptive way of living? Okay, I'll give you an example, right? And then I'm not sure there was an answer to my question. I was asking that rhetorically. <laughs> yeah. Well, so okay, point, right? so I'll give yeah. you an example, right? Yeah. If I grow up, if I grow up, and and my parents have taught me the value of being honest. And going to police officers when I'm in trouble, right? Okay, now I go to prison. Do you go to the cops when you feel like you're in trouble? Well, no, of course not. Be what happens trouble. to you? You get in a lot of trouble yeah. okay. with the inmates. <laughs> so, so what? I think the there's a, a great a great quote, and it's by uh, a gal named Jane Rule. She says, "Morality is a test of our conformity rather than our integrity." Well, if you're defining it that way, then what you're saying is true. It's just. The I, I wouldn't say that that person changed their moral. They probably held the same moral. Uh, it's it's that they changed their behaviors to what it takes to survive in a maladaptive environment. And this is where like the institutionalization thing comes in a, l- a little bit with some of these guys, right? Because you get a dude that did ten years or fifteen years, and he's used to that. He's used to no, I don't. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna talk to my PO about this. I just violate. Well, that's for sure gonna get me nicked. I'm in trouble. Then I there's no way mm-hmm. I can be. Uh uh-uh. uh. And, and that's and that that's dude the started moral to shift change. Values. Yeah, yeah. Right. The value changes at that point, right? And yes. this is something I, I bring this up with uh, with outpatient guys a lot. Is you know, and and there's there's almost like a personality type. I swear, <laughs> some of these sometimes that happens where you get a dude that you know feels obviously feels a lot of remorse for his offense, right? Mm-hmm. Feels super bad about it, tore his life up, tore his family up, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? Um, and so that dude, when he gets out, somehow feels like I've got to be just ultra, ultra uh, altruistic, giving just, you know, the model of a human being, right? So that dude is giving money to people hand over fist. He's just, yeah, anything I can do, uh, you know, to help somebody out regardless of what it does to me, 
You know, it's, I, it's, oh gosh, I had to babysit my sister's kids last minute. Well, what am I supposed to do? She doesn't have a babysitter. Oh. Well, uh, you can't babysit your sister's kids, dude. That's super against the rules, That's right? That's a really good example you know? of a moral dilemma that our yeah, clients yeah, yeah. have. Or, yeah, not acting is acting. Yeah. yeah. Like you have to oh, make I, a decision. I so, couldn't say anything about it. So present both sides to, to that dilemma, Brett. So if the dilemma is, let's, let's, uh, yeah, let's take the babysitting the kids because that, for whatever reason, comes up a lot. And where a lot of times it's family members, bless their hearts, they just love the dude and just think, man, you did your time, you're in therapy, you've changed, plus you're not going to do anything again. Or they think there's some iteration of whatever that mindset is. So, gosh, can't find a babysitter. I've got to go to work in 10 minutes. Hey, Joe Bob, can you uh, can you babysit, right? Mm-hmm. And so if he doesn't, well, then his sister, what's, what's she supposed to do? She's got kids. She's got to hold down a job. Money's tight. Oh, my gosh, what do I do? Whereas the opposite of that, opposite of that being, well, but if I do, I'm putting myself at risk with the parole stipulations. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. What do I do? Right? And this is where I, I really like teaching these guys about this. That like, hey, you're going to – if you if you make a decision – a lot of times you're going to be left with a crappy feeling in your yeah. stomach. And mm-hmm. the right decision there is to say, no, look, I can't because I'm going to, I'm, I'm for sure going to go back to, you know, and right, wrong, or indifferent, the rules are the rules. I don't, I don't, I don't want to face a violation there. So, right. But, is but that, do, do I hurt my family members' feelings or do I violate my probation? Mm, That's the right. dilemma. The only right. problem with that, though, is that now your your sister has created that dilemma, and that's that. But and, and with full knowledge that that doing so would put you at risk in the first mm-hmm. place. That's but, that's not a super like. So I would say that is like pseudo pseudo caring for that person so the thing is is i i understand you can disagree with these rules and you can think the best about your family members but the problem is is if you create that narrative and you create that scenario you're now you now are putting them in a position where they do have to make that decision mm-hmm. but you didn't make that decision if, if you're if you're sticking to your guns as a client i'm dipping out i'm not staying there for sure and i'm and i'm and that's so i'm going to do unto under others that right. render me the best the possible best outcomes and, and what the best possible outcomes for me is, okay, going. so I have A, I revoke my freedom and never babysit that kid again. Yeah, then I'm for sure or never B, there for my family. I have my sister bitch and moan at me for a weekend, and then everything's <laughs> good. I'm going, I'm going with option B. Yeah. That's what I'm doing. What I, if she just I, bitches I like, and doesn't moan? She's just bitching. <laughs> yeah. like, that's probably okay. I like well, running the she decision. She groans. Yeah. Sorry, what's that, Justin? I said, what if she just bitches and doesn't moan? Maybe it's more tolerable instead of bitching and moaning. Isn't that, that'd be weird, though, if she bitched and then moaned? Like, is it... I'm just overthinking it. Jimmy, yeah. why do you babysit my kids? <laughs> <laughs> no, and, and anytime I'm doing supervisor stuff with, with family members or whoever for these guys, that's one thing I harp on with family members is, look, a lot of times you might look at the rules and say, this is mm-hmm. stupid, right? Why do I need – he can't come over. There's 100% There's 100 adults over for this family barbecue for the 24th of July. You're telling me he can't come over when we're never going to let him out of our sight? What the – you know, stuff. Like, I mean, how often does that come up for you guys all the time, right? With supervisors and just really hammering that home to them. Hey, look, if you've really got, you know, your whoever's best interests at heart, uphold those stipulations at all costs. Because it might seem stupid, it might seem arbitrary, but you know, the rules are the rules. Try mm-hmm. try passing that off with with the law because it's not <laughs> that doesn't that argument doesn't go very well for you. Yeah. Well, the, the 
Okay, so this is this is again, I think, to reinforce the clients when we're talking about this, I, I think it's important to reiterate to them that the behavioral choices that they choose to make express their moral attitudes, okay, as well as or detract from their moral character, right? And I think resolving these, resolving a moral dilemma, that's why we present them with these thought experiments, those those give clues to them to possible moral deficits that may need to be improved on for avoiding those high-risk behaviors that could lead to potential violations or reoffense. What I'm trying to say is I think morality is adaptable because it's based on value systems. Mm-hmm. So when you reference religion, well, religion's different because – there's there's a set of standards by which I follow, mm-hmm. and I and there's a set of standards by which I, I exercise that religion, and that's the value system. It is very prescriptive, and so sometimes I have a base to go off of, whereas other people who have no religious base, they're kind of finding it along the way, and they're reinforced. If a value is, is reinforced over time, they're going to continue to say, this is important to me, this is something that I hold into esteem, this is something that I value. But that changes based on environment. So, yes, there are – I mean, I think we can all agree let's probably not kill each other. Like, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. but, but there I goes think – my weekend. Yeah. But I think your environment, yeah, my morals initially don't change and I learn to adapt that says, okay, I probably shouldn't say anything to the officers about anything because if I do, I'm going to be labeled a rat and I'm going to get shanked or something like that. But over time, that's reinforced and reinforced again and reinforced again. It's and then and then my values start to change because mm-hmm. I'm finding that now I'm adapting to this environment. There's a really good movie. Um, it's called. Uh, it sounds really lame, but it's on Prime um, and it's really good. It's called Shot Caller. It's it's got uh, you know Jamie Lannister from from uh, Game of Thrones. No. No? Do you, ever, do you watch Game of Thrones? <laughs> no. Oh, I know you don't because you're too dumb, but... <laughs> no, he just likes good shows. Oh, my hell. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now everybody's going to say... Yeah, I didn't, didn't catch my interest. Mace likes dragons. Dragons. I know that sounds... Dude, I was listening to it, uh, and our buddy Alan was telling me about it. Um, little Alan, we call him. And he was telling me, he's like, yeah, this is... And I was like, what? Dragons? And what? People? Ice walkers? Oh, I'm not watching that. That's stupid. And then I watched it and I was like, dude, I like dragons again. No, I, I read Dragonlance books in sixth grade and that stopped there. So oh, yeah. You're, I, you're I, more I, of a sex in the city I, guy. I stepped out of the nerd realm a long time ago. <laughs> Dra- <laughs> dragons have never appealed to me. Anyway, <laughs> that guy, he's a he's like a lawyer. He gets into a real. car accident and he goes into prison um, and he gets like charged with, I don't know, negligent manslaughter or something like that because he's driving drunk and kills somebody. Goes to prison, and as a result of going to prison, he has to adapt. And while he's in there, again, he turns into, like, you know, this kind of gang. I don't know what, we call, I don't know what the language is to it, but he adapts, and he starts to live a new lifestyle. In because, de, in de Clink? Yeah, he's in he's de in Clink. De, <laughs> in prison Mike. Prison well, Mike. I know we need to get to some actual dilemmas here. Um, that this one, is all a dilemma. What are you talking about? One yeah. of the things that we have these dudes do uh, is... Well, it's one of the CBISO, the Cincinnati, the Cognitive Behavioral Institute stuff, is we have them list like their top 10 values. And uh, typically, like, what, what are usually like the top three things people say as far as stuff that they value? What, is, what does everybody say? Family? Um, yeah, everybody, yeah. Everybody freedom, says, independence, relationships, yeah, my job. Family. Yeah. Is independence that, is big. Um, so Justin did a pretty good list. Empl- uh, yeah, their job, stuff like that. Yeah. And. and so, you know, Mace, I, I forget how you were putting it, but you were kind of alluding to the idea that our our true values can be reflected with 
our behaviors, our actions. You know, what we actually do is, uh, I think, a more accurate description of what we truly value. The things that we spend our time and our energy devoting ourselves to, that's, that's actually what we value. And so sometimes getting clients to see that their day-to-day behaviors, well, you just, you, well, I guess you just more have them decide themselves. Like, do your day-to-day behaviors match up with what your self-reported value system is? Is yeah, Are the sure. things that you're doing day in and day out reflective of the things that you say you value? If you value freedom and independence, are you following the steps that are necessary for you to maintain your freedom and independence? If you, if you value your family, like if you value family time, um, are you spending time with your family or are you out running amok doing stuff with your knucklehead buddies? And so like a, a lot of times that helps them kind of right, rather than having this val- this system of values that is socially pleasing to hear or, or cast them in a positive light, they're truly having to reflect to see if these values they describe actually match up with their day-to-day mm-hmm. behaviors. And I feel like that's a useful place well, to that's, start Well, and well. that's a good group. Yeah, exactly. Because that's the whole thing is a lot of times like, we'll operate. Because when I'm thinking of this as you guys are talking, like how many freaking moral dilemmas do you get stuck with? Probably on a daily basis calls you have to make all the time. So mm-hmm. sometimes that starts with, well, actually, what is my value here? Do I even know what my value is? Like when I'm stuck with a tough decision, maybe I don't even know. Or maybe it, yeah. it changes yeah. a little bit with this situation or this person yeah, or whatever's dude. going on. Man, that's... For, there's no way to track all that. So that's where it stops. The idea of, to me, this group is just kind of pausing for a moment and saying, hey, what do I value here short term? What do I value long term? What do I want? Because it's going to change over time. For sure. Yeah, Everybody right. should have at least a baseline idea of what they think their morals are. And morals are a series of values, again, designed to enhance the well-being of thinking creatures. That's right. But that's what – so that's kind of what I'm getting at is – I think we have a problem when people talk about being self-interested as if it's selfish. It's not. Oh, yeah. Right. Self-interest self benefits everybody. So, so again, if you the, the problem with the silver rule that I don't like is it's externalized. So if I try to create a, a, a method of them avoiding a behavior because it's going to bring harm onto another person, I'm counting on something. I'm counting on them giving a shit that it, it, it causes harm to another person. Well, no, it, you're, you're basing it off <clears throat> things that hurt you. Like if, if, if I feel like something would hurt me, I'm not going to do it to you. Right. But okay. So what if I don't, what if I know that you're weak and you're not going to do it now? What's the, what's, what's stopping me from doing it to you? you that you don't want it done to you. I don't want it done to me, but why would it ever be done to me? Cause I'm bad and tough and nothing. And I got a gun. What well, are you going to do? Well, well, that's the idea of the of the silver rules. You, you, you'd need to stick to that conviction. I mean, I, know, but what I, I guess you could be a dick and say, oh, I'm not going to do that anyway. But yeah, so what I'm saying that, is, what I'm saying is, is if you, I think if you bring it back to you, right? If it's always about you, well, I don't want to harm anybody because harming someone could violate a law and violating a law would be, be revoking my freedom. And I don't want my freedom revoked. Therefore, I'm not going to hurt another person. Okay. So the silver world can actually be packaged inside of the idea that I'll do unto others at, uh, uh, the things that are in my best self-interest. How do you put it? Well, yeah. I just say do unto others that renders the best possible outcomes for you. If everybody acted Which that Which would way, include not hurting other people because I don't want to get hurt. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Well, so that's – yeah, Tying into that, so it's almost like I really need to identify first off what are my values, second off 
<laughs> what's the overall goal that mm-hmm. I'm aiming for? For sure. Yeah. So kind of like, cause I think you both are kind of like actually agreeing on some of this stuff. Cause I think of like, let's say someone's trying to get something approved through their PO, like an activity you're going to see family or something and the PO is pretty hard headed. Like, no, it's not going to happen. So the guy catches himself getting pretty f- fed up. So he wants to kind of one up the PO as a way to kind of win the, the, the war in the moment. Like maybe I just want to win, you know, corner him into his argument make him look bad or something like that but if his overall goal is like yeah so he's saying yeah i want independence here i want to have choice i don't have that but i want to see my family if i kind of one up or show up my po right now i might maybe make him feel bad i might maybe get it talk him into this but then he's just going to shut this down even longer so i'll actually be further away from my family longer so maybe how do i how do i want to like manipulate the conversation again like manipulate as not a bad term right. into a way that he feels listened to and then actually comes around more so he's going to be okay with me going on these events so it's like yeah. how do i so and like you said it's win-win it's self-serving right. but in a good way yeah no yeah, that's right. fine because empathy is a big factor in this and a lot of uh, providers that work with sex offenders they focus on empathy and empathy is the holy grail and in other words like you know if you were if you were able to recognize what you were doing to this person then you wouldn't do it uh, again, what if I don't care that it's hurting them? Yeah. If I don't care right. that it's causing harm to that person, I'm going to do it anyway. Oh, yeah. But if it, so empathy works just as well if I say, okay, look, if I do this to this person, it's going to hurt them. And they're going to go tell the cops. And the cops are going to come get me. And they're going to take me to jail. So I'm not going to do it. Now I'm, I'm still using empathy. I'm imagining what it's going to do to this person because I'm causing harm to them. And then I try to think, how would they react to this? Oh, yeah, they might actually go and tell on me and get me in trouble or they might do this or the other or so okay now what do i that's what i'm saying you're still using empathy so your point is that acting in your own self-interest it's 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 safer because ultimately everyone's interested in acting in their own self-interest and then even for self selfish hurtful mean behaviors that's still not in my self-interest to do those to people because of the the social or legal repercussions if i do those dickhead things yeah uh, yeah a lot of people bring up this they say so what you're telling me that if your kid was going to get hit by a truck you wouldn't push him out of the what you wouldn't like jump in front of it i was like of course i would it's in your interest and because here's the thing i couldn't live with myself if i did that i'd be living with a massive amount of guilt and have to deal with that i'd rather be dead it's in my best interest to do that so my kid can live that's in my interest yeah. i'm still acting well, self-interest and yes is it you can call it selfless it's not it's not selfless it's self-interest <laughs> and it's okay well yeah it's, it's just okay. like hey being nice to my mm-hmm. friend i'd be nice because it feels good to be nice to my friend like it feels good to have yeah. a really like so something like right. this is what i used to get in a debate with people online back in the day when i used to do that so but like, so, someone, so so like a celebrity would do something you know go donate twenty thousand dollars to this charity but then they put these videos up and they promote it and some people are like well that's so like self-interested they're just doing it for the promotion but i was like so what like the people still got the donation and they get pr like yes they're doing it they're not just doing it for because it makes them mad like they're doing it for a reason like at the end of the day i'm like is that a bad thing though like i don't (laughs) know if that's bad for sure and i've had like i've had just gosh tons of conversations with clients where they say something like oh gosh i'm just really questioning my motives i just don't know and and again like man sotp down in the the prison bless their hearts like i i think some of the times that that program just really pounds this moral you have to be this certain way and some 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 guys just i swear there's a certain personality type almost where they they internalize that such that it's like oh i shouldn't ever 
act out of my own self-interest ever because that's what I did when I committed my yeah. offense. Ooh, we do get people. Oh, my gosh. Doing that was, you know, and like, no, dude. That, uh-uh. Well, there's, and there's a, an example that here. came to mind because I think that's what's hard, too, that's is good point. It, it gets tricky because there's so much defining self-interest, too. Because, like, say, for example, I'm having an argument with my wife and I'm getting mad. In the moment, I just want to blow up because it's going to feel kind of good. Like, it's in my own interest to kind of relieve some of that stress. But it's also in my interest to handle myself well and not damage the relationship. So it's For like sure. both right. of them are in my self-interest. It's kind of like Long, which one weighs out. The long-term right? one starts to weigh out, though. Yeah. Right? And, well, if you, sure. and if you <laughs> have – so that's so that's why – You would hope so. No, yeah. and, and so I'm not going to deny that. I, I'm not going to deny any of that. I think as we get through some of these, the short-term payoffs are in my self-interest, but the long-term sure. payoffs are, and the long-term payoffs and are are. I mean, in in a lot of ways, we're asking them to use consequential thinking. Mm-hmm. What's what is going to come after this? Yes, I could do this. I could do that. Um, I could use drugs right now and I'm going to feel great. Um, but later on, if I get you weighed, what's the consequence of that? Okay. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, so is it in my self-interest to feel great? Well, of course it is. Is it my self-interest to maintain my freedom? Of course it is. So you have to decide which one works there. So should we do a couple of these? Yeah. Okay. Let's so remember it. the rules. You have to get, you have to answer and you have to tell me why. And no you can't bring in a yeah, third option. Don't, don't bitch and moan. And I will tell you, I will tell you. <laughs> I'll t- uh, and of course, I'll, I'll participate too. So, well, we'll, so we'll you do get all the answers. No, I, I've, I've had time to think <laughs> That's about the thing, it. Though, is there's, there's no, no there's, there's no, no right answer. answer. That's there's it's no right or wrong answer. answer. So, Come on. Okay, so you so this first one, this is the one that uh, your client drank a tall boy off of. So. <laughs> So um, yeah, this is the wrong third option. I don't option. think that's a true This story. is called the uh, concentration camp. This is oh yeah. This so is, you're an inmate. This one's rough. You're an inmate in a concentration camp. A sadistic a sadistic guard is about to hang your son who tried to escape and wants you to pull the chair from underneath him. He says that if you don't, he will not only kill your son but some other innocent inmate as well. You don't have any doubt that he means what he says. So should you pull the chair or should you not pull the chair? I mean, I have my, I, I've thought about this one before too, because I've heard this one. I think I have to pull the chair because it's not about me anymore at that point. The, the, the my son's dying regardless and but it's going to be, you want to murder him. It's going to be a crushing thing for me to deal with. <laughs> I'm going to be probably will, taking myself out shortly thereafter. I don't know, but it's not up to me at that point. I feel like the, the morally right thing to do is to sacrifice my own well-being and keep an innocent person from going down. That's what I say. Okay. Okay. What do you think? Read the, the just the, the premise in brief one more time because I want to point out something. So it's a, a sadistic guard is about to hang your son. Oh, sadistic. Never mind. That who, changes it. That changes everything. <laughs> who tried to escape and wants you to pull the chair from underneath him. He says if you don't, he will not only kill your son, so your son's dead either way, but some other innocent in me as, as well. So in other words, if you don't pull that chair, not only will your son die anyway, somebody else is going to die too. So ultra crappy feeling either way, right? Like that's... Mm-hmm. Yeah, either I, way, it sucks. That That's the whole thing behind this. Like you're going to feel ultra awful either way. Um, if my son's dead, either way, and I don't have children, so maybe that's, I don't know, a decision made in a vacuum a little bit for me. But if my son's dead either way, I'm I'm siding with Jeff on this one and and uh, pulling that chair. Huh? I I, and, and I don't know maybe like I, say, I say that I say, say that isolation right like yeah. yeah yeah I don't have kids and I'm yeah, not in that yeah. situation I, I don't know if I would have the gumption to do that but right. so so I thought about this what about and, Justin 
Well, Justin mm-hmm. go last. Mm-hmm. He can go last. <laughs> okay. Um, so I thought about this, and, and I, I originally answered the way you guys are answering. Is And, and my, my thought on this would be like, um, you know, I, I think my son would understand what's going on. And so, I, I mean, he wouldn't want somebody else to get killed because of his mistake. True. How old's your son? He's five, fifty-three. So, so yeah. but um, but now though, well, in this, in this, in yeah, the, yeah, not 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 your actual not son, Mister. In this hypothetical, he's son, five yeah. in this. So yeah, he tried to escape. He's a wily little five-year-old. Yeah. So um, but I've changed it though, and the reason why, so I would not pull the chair, and the reason why is because, so yes, my son's gonna die, right? But okay. I don't agree with that. I don't agree with the idea that my son's going to die, but he's going to die anyway. I'm not, and, and this guard's going to do whatever he's going to do. I'm not going to take responsibility for this guard's actions. This guard's going to do it. That's what he's wanting me to do. He's wanting me to take responsibility for his decision. His decision is, I'm going to kill your son. And if you don't kill him, I'm going to kill somebody else. Well, all right, bro, that's your decision. That's not on me. You, I'm not letting you put that on me. So I won't, I won't allow him to put the decision on me. And so I'm saying, I'm not going to decide. I'm not going to do shit because you made that decision. That's, that's your decision. And yeah, you're going to kill somebody. Okay, that's fine. That's your decision, man. That's not my decision. Like you, you put that on me, but you're the one making that. So I'm not, I'm not taking responsibility for that. Ultimately I wouldn't pull the chair. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm in the same boat actually on that. And who knows what would really happen. But split yeah, two, it, would, it would feel more like if you're going to do that, that's on you, but I'm not, I'm not going to physically cause that myself. Like even if my inaction does, you're the one acting to kill. That's where I was at with it. Right. Yeah. I would not do anything. I can see both sides. I, I'm still. Oh yeah. I don't think there's I'm a right saying. or a wrong. The guards are relevant to me. So that's why. Yeah. Well, it's kind of one of those ones where on paper, that's what's like on paper. Oh yeah, for sure. Kill them. Yeah. Bingo, right? it, yeah. But then in the moment, man, being the one to actually have to do that would be real easy to say in this oh, podcast yeah. room. Yeah. yeah. Right. So, well, so, but these things happen like that all the time. Like I had one recently. This, this, yeah, this, this, <laughs> this, yeah, during during my first session today. Yeah, well, five people got concentration killed. Camp, Justin. Yeah, but these will come out of nowhere. Like I had a, a client. I'm really pushing him on. Like, yeah, you need to get out and you need to do things. You need to do this. And he was like starting to get into wanting to go play music with his friends and stuff. And so he calls me up. And he's like, I know it's ultra last notice or last minute notice, but I want to go do this. And I'm, part of me is like, well, I don't really think that would be like a violation, you know, but we got to let your PO know. And so it was like, I was torn between, well, therapeutically, I think he should go. But then as far as his supervision, I was like, I don't know if that would be approved. And there's, so there's like, what's therapeutically good for him? But then also, how am I going to look if this backfires? And then, so I was caught between, it was like, and what's the right answer? I don't know what the right answer is. And we couldn't get in touch with his PO. And I'm yeah. like, <sighs> well, therapeutically too, though. So see, that's where, again, if, if, if he were to get in trouble, and then that w- rendered that he violated, and then he got he went to jail or something like that. Again, therapeutically, was that the best thing for yeah. him? Long term, obviously not. not at yeah, all. therapeutically in the moment, if he went and played with his buddies, and <laughs> then nothing ever came out of it, great. Yeah, do that. Un- but you're dealing with things you can't predict, mm-hmm. and so I, I mean, it's good that you second guess that. And that's sometimes what we want them to do is yeah. we want them to say, "Well, that's going to be really nice," and but I'm just in a different. I'm in a different space right now. I can't do that. Because yeah. So no matter what, I was stuck with either 
okay, I tell him no and then feel bad and kind of feel like I'm going back on what I've been trying to get him to do? Or do I say, yeah, and then I worry about, oh, my God, is this going to be, is this PO going to flip or whatever? So yeah, it's like right. either op- neither option was necessarily great in the moment. Right. Well, and anybody, I think if you guys are listening to this, I want to hear, uh, you know, it's it's pretty cool because we got a bunch more subscribers now, like mm. since we pushed that a little bit. Because we're like, how many downloads? Did we push it real good? Yeah. Or did we just push it? <laughs> push it real good. I can't good. remember. Yeah, I don't good. know where we're at. I'll have to check. Bam, bam, yeah. Bam. Anyway, there's a lot but i think uh some comments would be really good on this i would i'd like to hear your guys's opinions on on what you would do with the concentration camp example um you guys ready to hear the next one please okay absolutely so this one's called the accident and um so you're an emergency worker you're a sole emergency worker and i don't know why because i know they always go in pairs (laughs) but don't ask me because it's it always comes out So um, you're an emergency worker that has just been called to the scene of an accident. When you arrive, you see that the car belongs to your wife. Fearing the worst, you rush over to see she is trapped in in her car with another man. She sees you, and although barely conscious, she manages to mouth the words, I'm sorry. You don't understand, but her look answers your question. The man next to her is her lover with whom she's been having an affair. You reel back in shock, devastated by what your eyes have just told you. But as you step back, the wreck in front of you comes into focus. You see your wife is seriously hurt, and she needs attention straight away. Even if she gets attention, there's a very high chance she'll still die. You look at the seat next to her and see her lover. He's bleeding heavily from a wound to the neck, and you need to stem the flow of blood immediately. It will only take about five minutes to stop but it will mean that your wife will definitely die. If you tend to your wife, however, the man will bleed to death despite the fact it could have been avoided. Who would you choose to work on? For sure, my wife. Why is that? I love her. Well, Ani's cool, bro. If a guy ran over my dog and then crashed into a wall and one of us got to be like, sorry, dude, <laughs> I'd be going to help my dog because I love my dog or I love, I love whoever I'm choosing. That's why. It would be like... You know what I'm really it, it, glad you didn't say huh. was that, and the 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 the, the dude is always like, oh, my EMT senses would kick in and oh, I'd yeah. go to triage, dude, and you save the person that can be saved. I'm like, are you an EMT? No, I'm never. I'm like, what? What? <laughs> Come on now. What? Like, what, what do EMT? you know? Yeah, you, <laughs> no, that's not how it works. Like, you, you can't. You're not. I mean, I'm glad you're taking over the role, but you just turn into an EMT overnight. Like, even. E- <laughs> This is why they don't let doctors work on their loved ones when they come into the emergency yeah. room. Well, for the moral dilemma, though, isn't the implication that you do know those things if you're an emergency responder? I suppose so, but it doesn't mean that it doesn't mean that the emotion part. Yeah, the emotional yeah. part. Sure. Sure. sure, like doctors have you know the Hippocratic oath and whatever else, but they still if 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 I was a if I was a doctor in an emergency room and my dad rolled in, they wouldn't let me work on my dad because I would make emotional decisions based on his care, not like the right decision. That's why they don't let you do that. So that's why, I mean, you, I guess you could in the moment make that decision if you wanted to, but I mean, so yeah, I feel like, yeah, my knee jerk would be to take care of the person that means most to me. Yeah. I'm just saying to, to never have been an EMT and then to all of a sudden be like, yeah, it's the EMT's code, bro. Yeah. Nothing against EMTs. I'm just saying, like... <laughs> if you don't know the people, yeah. for sure. Yeah, but when you... going to get lit up by EMTs in the comments <laughs> no, here. No, I I'm love just... our EMT partners <laughs> in the community. 
That sounded scripted, man. Yeah, I think that would be EMT partners in the community. So, what would you? Who would you save? You're stalling over there. What's the dude situation again? Okay, so so the basic gist of it is yeah. you got all the backstory. So, if you choose to work on your wife, she'll she s- might live. Might slim odds. There's so there's a very high likelihood she's still going to die. Mm. And if you choose to work on her, homeboy's definitely dead. If you choose to work on him, however, he's definitely going to live, but your wife's definitely going to die. I see. So, well, first off, the th- this is where I sell out like a champ because the morally correct thing to do would be triage. And again, <clears throat> right there in the story problem, it, it implies that you know triage because you're making decisions based on my wife's going to die probably this guy might live if I work on him. So the, the implication is already there. So I think triage is actually a good, but this is where I sell out. Like I don't, <clears throat> I don't care about the dude. And even though my wife betrayed me. Yeah. Like, like how, how yeah. Did, Justin, did you even factor in the affair? Yeah. You, so your wife, <laughs> even though, even though she was hooking up with this dude, my thought would be in that moment, I think just instincts for protecting who you care about would kick in. Right. Yeah. Plus, plus, I, plus, plus, I tend to think about like as, as messed up as it what? sounds. Like, like th- I'm going off on tangent here, but like, I could go help a homeless person outside and give them a meal. But there's like how many people starving that could die tonight? But I don't really care to seek them out or find out who that is because it's just too much to worry about. Where he would be like, I don't know him, so in a way, kind of like, yeah. But if wh- you die, I don't really. Well, we'll add a tool, we'll add a twist to that though. What if it was like your worst enemy from high school? <laughs> and I had to wait. Let him die. Well, then for sure I would let him die. No, but <laughs> no, but she yeah. she betrayed yeah. you. She, she betrayed you with oh, your worst, worst enemy. enemy from high school. <sighs> yeah, my worst enemy. How many do I have? Is <laughs> the worst one? Dude, you can't <laughs> save your worst like enemy. You got to kill your enemy. You got to step on his neck. So then there's a third. I, there's a third option where you just stand there and don't act. But yeah, you know, I still, I still would have to go with. On his neck. I still would have to go with no, saved your, lo- saved I had your a, loved one. I had a. I had a client. I had a client tell me. I had a client say something pretty funny because he's like, well, I don't know if it was funny, but it made me chuckle a little bit because it caught me off guard. He said, "Oh yeah, I'd save that guy so I could kill him." I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's not that bad of a choice, really. Well, well I'm say, like, homeboy yeah. probably don't even know you exist, dude. Like, I said, why is it his fault? Well, well, I was loving group. Well, you get the dude that's been divorced eight times. It's like, I'd let her go. Yes, yeah. I bet yeah, you would. Yeah. It's like, ah, I don't yeah. question why you make those decisions in relationships one bit. Well, wouldn't yeah. you want to bring your wife back to life to like yell at her for a little bit? You know, I mean, there's yeah, that but what? Too. So, so you're not even so. What? Okay, I don't know if you even gave an answer. I like interrupt. I'd save my wife. You'd save your wife. Yeah. I mean, you're not even factoring in the affair at all. No, I don't think it would make a difference. I think in that moment it really wouldn't. I don't think it would impact. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, I agree with you guys. I would, <laughs> but well, the thing is, is okay. So did Brett even answer? Oh, I'll I, get to I, Brett. I'm oh, letting okay, him go okay, last. Okay. All right. the, the thing is, is okay. So this is how I look at it. Um, I think the affair is an issue, and it's something that you should focus that, that should be focused on. And um, I, I, dude, I don't know if I'd care about triage too much. I mean, I don't know anything about it, but. I mean, I guess I could suppose I'd know about it. I don't even know what that. What it is just that? save the person that can be saved that oh, has the most like likelihood of sequel to Entourage, right? So, <laughs> yeah. like if it was just triage, you'd let your wife die. Oh, okay, right. If you were just in that mode, so I think the affair needs to be addressed. And what I would say about the affair is, um, I don't know if there's any like you would 
I hate to think of a single action ruining um, a, a relationship. I like to I like to think a lot of people say, "Okay, we get into a relationship, and if you ever cheat on me, then we're done." Okay, um, more times than not, that doesn't happen. And what I think is important to fa- fo- focus in on that is. I don't think anything's irreconcilable. I mean, aside from maybe abuse, you know, if I'm beating the crap out of you, obviously girls bounce if that's happening. But no uh, pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> but what I'm what I'm saying is though is I don't I don't th- I've seen plenty of relationships and I've worked with clients where there has been a lot of infidelity and then the marriage has bounced back and everything's been okay. I, I'm not saying so. Yes, it's an issue. And does that mean that the relationship's going to survive even if I do save my wife? Maybe not. Maybe maybe not. Maybe you know. Um, but I, I I'd say well if I got into a relationship that far to the point where I'd marry somebody. Well, I mean I, that be really important I'd, I'd at least try to save that person because of that i don't even know who this dude is i don't you know he may not know me either so i'm gonna let that boy bleed to death and that's gonna be it so and i mean if the relationship works out it does if it doesn't it doesn't yeah yeah what Fox. would you do dude agree save the wife oh you save the wife yeah, huh? yeah. dude dude can rot like no i mean, no 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 <laughs> He, he can't there's, rot. No, really, though, I, I agree. To but, me, like, there's no big emotional attachment to yeah, that guy. Yeah, and, like, your imperative, I, I don't know, morally or having the training or whatever. I don't know what that's like. I'm a therapist, not an EMT. Um, but, <laughs> if, no, I, I agree with what Justin said, though. Like, my first impulse would be protect the one that you care most about. Mm. And I don't know. I, I don't know that you'd be able to hit the override button that easily to say oh right, well yeah, i don't hmm. know either yeah well triage but no we together <laughs> yeah for, if you're able yeah, to stop and know. if you're able to stop in that moment and think it out like yeah maybe you got some other questions I'm to answer trying. in your life like can i, hmm, can I use a lifeline I, here yeah, what like, should i do yeah, here yeah. well that, that's funny because that's another well not funny at all but like another moral <laughs> dilemma someone that has that hardcore if anyone ever does this to me i'm leaving well now your morals have changed though because now you're in love with that person and you have a life with that person so now that hardcore mm-hmm. rule that i'm out like it changes over time totally Things does. change well that's totally right does. yeah when you're faced with that you think differently that's why but, i think yeah, actually being in the situations I, I think you can set lines. i think you can set bottom line lines um and that's another pot have we done that, we did that, yeah. that? Yeah. yeah i mean bottom lines you just got to be careful with i think boundaries are a little bit more flexible but you know a, a simple bottom line is you know if, if you if you physically abuse me i'm out like mm-hmm. that's a pretty simple one you mm-hmm. know what i mean and and i think a lot of people could agree on that but i mean i don't know those things just get too con- too complex so but speaking of of you caring for your loved one this one will make you think a little bit Next. more we got room so, for one more oh no yeah we got we're good. yeah we got time dude good. god so you got someone to be Jeff come on so this more. is yeah. we got time for two more we got time to do whatever we set our more. minds to so except for live on the sun yeah. so <laughs> I love that so um, this one's called the neighbor okay oh by the way I want to hear what you guys would do would you save your wife or would you let that dude die or wait no would you save that. would you save your wife or would you save that guy no, I know. I know we've answered that. I'm asking the listeners, homie. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so the neighbor. You have a wonderful daughter. She's eight years old and has always been a happy, outgoing child. But a while ago, something terrible happened. She was raped. You were quite sure that the person who raped her is your neighbor. Your daughter is so traumatized, she has stopped speaking. But she has, in other ways, been able to convince you that he is the one. Unfortunately, not enough evidence can be found to convict him. You try to put your life back together, 
you move to another house and you try to help your daughter in any way you can, but it is clear that the experience has ruined her life and that of your family. One evening, you've taken your wife out to dinner at a restaurant when you spot your former neighbor at another table. He is eating alone and looks unhappy. You quickly finish eating and leave. The next day, you find out that your former neighbor's wife has been murdered. Enough evidence to convict him of the murder is soon found, and at first you are very happy. Finally, he will get what he deserves. But then you remember that you saw him in the restaurant at the time of the murder. You know he did not murder his wife. Maybe he paid somebody else to do it. You remember the police said that it had been made to look like it was a burglary. Maybe it was. You sit down to think. If you keep quiet, he will be convicted for the murder, and the real murderer will go free. If you give him an alibi, he will go free, but you can't be sure the real murderer will be found, and it is possible that the evil bastard paid somebody to do it. What do you do? Dude, that's that's a hard one, because I, I default towards... Like I have a, I definitely have a core belief of two wrongs don't make a right kind of situation, mm-hmm. and I tend to think of long term if I did that, even though he would deserve it. How would I feel about it long term? And odds are I would end up with that still happened to my daughter, and the guilt eats away at me for lying about putting him in that position, mm-hmm. even if it was like totally just so. Yeah, I would actually probably on without being in the situation, I'd vouch for him. But you're not really lying. You're just not giving him an alibi. That's lying. To me, I feel like it's lying. Yeah, that's if lying. I know. That's, that's lying. lying. Yeah. Yeah. I'm playing devil's advocate, bro. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I would. I, would, I feel easily. like long term, that would eat me up. And it still didn't change the fact that that happened to my daughter. Like, it doesn't fix it. Okay. Know? And I would just feel guilty about but it. But don't you feel some sense of, gosh, justice has been served? And maybe, yeah. Probably maybe in the he moment, doesn't. Yeah. Okay, he, he maybe didn't kill it, but gosh, that dude deserves to go to prison because. Karma, son. Yeah. I think in the moment I would, and I have, I'm trying to anticipate once the emotion of that wore off, would it kind of eat at me? Did I lie? Or like, did it in a shady way right. to get him back? Yeah, I'm, I'm I just doing it, devil's oh, advocate sure. too. Well, in the moment, it'd probably feel awesome. <laughs> yeah, to see yeah, yeah. him get in trouble and go, but then it'd be like, well, she still went through what she went through, and now I have kind of that on my conscience. Well, it's almost like I made my problem worse. So you're saying out of out of the fact that you would be living with with uh, a level of guilt that you're uncomfortable with, um, and this this horrible thing still happened to your daughter that you would give him the alibi. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Brett, what would you do? I agree with Justin. I would. I would not. Or I would. I would. For any different dude. reasons. Um, similarly, like I don't. I, th- I think that I would eventually just have that guilt just weighing on you. Like me, think about five years down the line. Just gosh, like. Just that. I don't know. Like, I think everyone's had that experience of just something's weighing down on your soul. And if you just think, especially in somebody's life, mm. and even if you feel like, gosh, that, you know, that guy deserved it, that guy, you know, how could he, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Well, he's not going to, justice hasn't really been served because he's not going yeah. to do time on, you know, whatever he did to your daughter. Like, and I, don't, I obviously don't feel good about that either, but I agree with what Justin's saying. Like, you're, <laughs> it doesn't change anything, you know, and you're going to live with that ultra guilt on your conscience for how long? Okay. What would you do, Jeff? Matt, uh, let same, that guy go to prison. The, no, the same as these gentlemen uh, for, for similar reasons. I. I think it would weigh on me. Also, like it really sucks that my daughter doesn't get justice, you know. 
and knowing that this guy is out free, potentially maybe even hurting more people while my daughter's traumatized and her life's ruined. That's not lost on me. Um, the, this guy's wife, the murdered wife or whatever, mm-hmm. her family is going to get a false sense of justice being served. You know, they're going to kind of have that placebo effect, kind of like those psychic healers that do like cold readings on people and it's all fake, you know, and they make people feel uh, good about How dare you? Yeah, that I, is I dare. one triggered thousand percent triggered. I dare bash those charlatans. <laughs> so, yeah. I dare. I dare. I, I And I, I think kind of. So it, it's it's not it's not just about me, although that's mainly part of it. Is that you know I, I don't feel like two wrongs make a right, but also it's kind of giving a false sense of justice to the family of the murdered woman. Uh-huh. Um, I don't I don't like that piece of it, and um, then it kind of then it also like risk management comes into play as well, right? And so there's conceivably a murderer running loose, and then there's also a rapist running loose because of what he did to my daughter. Um, Ah, oh, boy. I don't know. It's, I mean, obviously, I mean, some people would argue which one's worse out of rape and murder, but I guess ultimately I have to come back around to that uh, kind of the two wrongs don't make a right. Although OJ Simpson, I was not sad that OJ had to go to jail for stealing those paintings. You know, or whatever it was he did. I, <laughs> yeah, I didn't dude, feel he did, he did at all bad. Himself, though, yeah, I didn't feel yeah. bad about that at all. Yeah, how many people? That's that's exactly what happened in that situation. Yeah. Like that. He Although got, he did this he, theft, but well, yeah, but homeboy. Like now, don't get me wrong, but see, and this is so. It's funny you mentioned OJ Simpson because I think of OJ Simpson when I think about this. Right, <laughs> so what made me think of I it? I think about well, naked gun. <laughs> 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 well, the reason this what about is those Hertz commercials. This is the reason why. So Nordberg, I. As as a result of, I, in listening to our clients, one thing that I really um, just don't appreciate is injustice, right? And I think injustice, most of us like to think about injustice as um, somebody who has been overly convicted for a crime that they committed, right? And I'm not saying that our clients shouldn't be convicted for crimes and be punished. I think that's true. And they would agree too. The degree to which people are punished is where things come into question, I think, at times, mm-hmm. right? And um, so you can disagree or, or agree on, on the merits of those things. Um, and and what, I, what I want to do is nail it. I want to nail it every time. I want you to give just the right amount of punishment as a result of so of, of now we don't maybe that's a fantasy so him getting his wife murdered equates to you getting your daughter raped what right huh? he, he lost something <laughs> his wife was murdered oh no you lost something no, 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 your no, daughter no. was raped no i'm not so that's your point right that is not even close to my point i think that's what, what i'm saying. saying is though that's what i heard is <laughs> injustice works both ways so i can't so i can't say well no i don't want injustice to impact somebody that I care about, like it's injustice that that happened to my daughter, right? But it's also injustice for him to go to, to prison for a crime that he didn't commit. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and so I, I can't will like say, well, okay, I want both of these. So I have to, I have to support this because OJ is a great example because after watching that documentary, that OJ Simpson made in America, uh, the way that I've put it is that that dude is a hundred percent guilty, but he deserved to be acquitted. And the reason why is because our justice system worked exactly as it should yeah. be. The prosecution dropped the ball, the police screwed up and, and ruined a lot of things. But if you think about like, if you watch that, have you watched that? Any of you guys watched yeah, that? Yeah, I've watched it. Yeah. Have you watched it? Yeah, it's 
good. Yeah, it, it, like, if you think about all of the mistakes that the police made with regards to forensic evidence, right? Mm-hmm. And and since that time, the police, in terms of chain of custody and and t- preservation of evidence and everything, has changed drastically. Mm-hmm. So OJ's case actually improved the criminal justice system. And and prior to then, did you ever see? Well, I mean, we were teenagers, young teenagers. Nobody, I mean, court TV didn't even exist at that time, right? Mm-hmm. You didn't get yeah, to see cases. Yeah. So it, now that it's more transparent and that people are going to be, I think that's a good thing. I think that that's going to make people act more ethically in these circumstances and nail it, get closer to yeah. justice. So that's why I wouldn't support something like this. And I would give him the alibi because I can't support in, I can't yeah. support injustice regardless if it's, if it's a positive outcome for me because that that's not a positive outcome for me. I'm, I don't think injustice is great no matter what's no matter what's happening. You're that's that's like part of what I was, that's part of what I was thinking specifically to this moral dilemma as we're debating is where my mindset would be is okay due to my own personal beliefs and what's happened to me I can kind of take the justice system and twist it to fit my needs. But then the flip side. I don't want someone to do that to me. Like, so there's a part of like, obviously our system has its flaws for sure. But I think overall it's very effective. And and for that reason is, is quote unquote fair in most cases. Because if everybody can just twist it to fit what they want, then it's just that that's just each man for themselves. And then that gets, that's way worse. I think if you have a passionate, educated and tenacious uh, defense attorney, all the same qualities on the on the prosecution. You have a knowledgeable, impartial, objective judge, and then you have a jury of your peers who are willing to listen to this and understand the per- the understanding of reasonable doubt. That system works yeah. perfectly, dude. Well, but, and I know that doesn't really exist sometimes. Okay, fine. You know, people are manipulative. People, but man, I don't know if there's a better alternative. So I'm not going to add to the crap. Well, it's kind of like it's like the idea of free speech. Me and Jeff were kind of starting to talk about this online, but like, if I can control what other people can say, then that means somebody can control what I can say, and I don't want that. So I've got to kind of put up with what other people say because I want to be able to say what I can say. Exactly. It's the same idea. Yeah. Obviously, there's just a lot. This is a different situation, but it's the same thing. Like I've got to allow for whatever to take place because I don't want it turning being turned back on me. Yeah. But it's, it's hard to do that. So like this moral dilemma, yeah, on paper, that sounds right. But yeah, if you're dealing with like someone you know actually being raped, then yeah, that, it's almost like the whole, what is it, rational mind and emotional mm-hmm. mind and then right. wise mind. Yeah. yeah it's trying to, to find those. We're obviously in those situations like finding your wife in a car accident emotional mind's going to override like crazy. Yeah. And there's and this is where I, I think you'll see clients in groups change their minds. And then also, I think bouncing these ideas off of one another starts to, to, to generate um, a changing of of the the overall like okay how do I how do I look at these things and 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 um net what you know really really what my knee jerk reaction is let the bastard go to jail right and then I think about it, I'm like oh, I don't know dude like I just don't want that to be part of our criminal justice system because some of our clients think that they got screwed mm-hmm. right and in their minds they're like no I got I got way screwed I got raked over the coals and I so I, I want to question them and say okay so do you want to add to that system you, you're telling me you want to add to a system that you feel what delivered injustice in your direction and and usually they they tend to kind of take a minute of a pause and say okay maybe i ought to do this and and give that dude the alibi yeah this this reminds me of a when i was doing residential we were running a group and it was uh for substance abuse mm-hmm. and we were highlighting it so that so just so you have a background so this is like 
teenage girls, like younger teenage girls, their parents send them to this place. And so there was one she wanted to go to a school known as more of like a party school. And so her parents were like, no, you're just getting sober right now. We're not going to send you off to a school where that's the main thing. Everyone's partying. Where'd you want to go? Arizona State? I can't remember where it was, but it was like... You see yeah, Boulder, if you, if like, right after there, they leave. Yeah, 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 if you're going there, you're going to party. <laughs> so her whole, so she was mad So because her parents were like, I want you to go to this school. So in group, she's she's frustrated. So she's saying, well, I don't care what they say now because so as soon as I get out, I'm just going to use. And so we're like, wait a minute. So to get them back, you want to prove them right that you can't control yourself you know and you could see kind of the lights went off when you you know went on or went on what i what i should say is but yeah she's like you're trying to in the moment feel better about getting back at them and in the long term hurting everybody Mm. yeah yeah just for a moment of kind of like revenge like in order to make your point you want to prove them right right Right. think about this for a minute (laughs) well here before we wrap up let's do one more you ready let's do seven more okay so i want to hear what you guys do too do you send that dude to jail or would you give him the alibi Okay, um, and the reasons why that is. Don't write too long a comment. So I don't write really things. long ones. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So this one is called uh, spam filtering. So it says you are the network administrator for a yeah, rather yeah. large company. You have a young family and need your job to support them. As part of your responsibility as a network administrator is to monitor the emails of the organization. Usually this just means occasional, occasionally allowing through emails for staff members that have been accidentally blocked by the spam filters. One day you get a help desk request from a staff member asking for an email to get released. Normally it's standard procedure, except this time the request has come from the wife of a very good friend of yours. You recognize the name on the help desk request, so you quickly attend to the problem. As part of the procedure, you need to manually open up the email to ensure that it isn't spam. So you do, and you discover that it isn't. You find that it's actually an email to your friend's wife from her lover. You scan the rest of the contents of the email, and there is no doubt that she has been having an affair for some time now on your best friend. You release the email, but you can't decide what to do. Your initial reaction is to call your friend up and tell him about the email. However, you quickly realize that the company policy is very strict about revealing the contents of confidential emails of staff members, regardless of the contents, unless someone else's life is in immediate danger, and under no circumstances are you permitted to reveal the information. In any case, you know that revealing this information presents great risk because even if you don't do it directly, there is a good chance that the dots will be joined somewhere along the line and you will be found out. However, if you, you feel that by not telling your friend, you are aiding his wife in getting away with adultery and this troubles you greatly, what do you do? That is a hard one. This one for me, it was really easy until I put like faces and names with it. You know what I mean? Like, like for me, I felt like hundred percent, like whatever. Like I'm not gonna, you know, like I gotta keep my job. I got a family to support. And then I thought about like my best friend of twenty years, and like, oh shoot, like oh, I don't know, like yeah. I, I still don't know. I, I honestly yeah, don't know. That's where it's pretty situational too, because yeah. like, okay, look, I'm ultra cozy and got a ton of savings yeah. and jobs lined up. Then like, oh yeah, I want to tell my buddy. But yeah, it's like, what if all of a sudden I'm going through a really hard time and I have a daughter that has some crazy yeah. disease and I yeah, got to yeah. get pay for her hospitalization? Then yeah, that's gonna weigh on my mind. Like just at its face value. Keep your th- job. Think, think each I've, time I, that you saw your friend, though, and you know. Oh, yeah, sure. I probably sure. would tell my friend. 
You tell so the problem with this one the problem with this one is I don't know how serious confidentiality is to network administrators. I I've wondered about that too with this one. If you're in like okay, I wonder like if you heard, if you got through um imagine this. Imagine if a guy came in here and you were seeing him for treatment and through the course of you talking to him, you discovered that um, he was having an affair with your best friend's wife. He didn't know you. He didn't know. I mean, would you tell your friend? Mm-hmm. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I violate confidentiality. Like no way for the client. I just. I'd probably figure out a way to get out of the relationship and not and not be his therapist anymore because right. now I have a conflict of interest. Right. I don't know if I tell my buddy though. Like I don't know if I could do that. Like that's. That's our that's our craft. Well, one hundred percent, you got to think about like, gosh, if you you know if you did uh, tell your buddy, and if it somehow got like, there's a good chance, like like it says in there, that somewhere along the line, the dots are going to get traced back to for you. sure. It's and, like you're going to get if you if you tell no matter what you do, if you send an anonymous letter, right, it's going to get back to right. you. Like that's all there is to it. So anybody listening to this, like you're thinking about this, got to play by the rules, too, right? Guys. It's getting back to you yeah, no yeah. matter what. There's your chance. So the idea there is, it's so basically, get, like you're probably going to get fired. If likely. you tell your friend, yeah. Likely. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and you think about, like, gosh, if, if they, whoever you're, you know, exposing in this, in this relationship, in this affair, um, they're probably going to be upset enough, salty enough afterward that they're going to make a stink. Like, oh, well, he broke, Yeah, oh, you know? for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, Man, that's what I would worry about is if I did this as a network administrator, could I get another job as a network administrator anywhere Yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah. Is bla- are you blackballed from there on? Like, oh, well, because, this guy doesn't respect, you know. Because if a client of mine goes to Doppel and says, hey, he violated my confidentiality, that's the gravest sin a therapist can make, <laughs> right? I mean, there's, I mean, good luck. Good luck. Like, that's, right. so, so self-preservation factors into this quite a bit. Like, that's where I have, I struggle with this one because, because I'm like super Same. loyal to my friends, but the 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 wild card here is if this was a therapist, it'd be easy. It'd be an easy yeah, answer, and can. I wouldn't say anything. Yeah. But I don't know how serious network administrators take confidentiality. Like I don't know if they do or don't. Right. That's why I'm I, I'm disconnected from it. So so if I'm basing it strictly on what I know about confidentiality, I can't say anything because confidentiality of clients is crucial for for doing what we do and without it we're nothing. So I mean, <sighs> if I'm dedicated to my craft and my and my profession, then I'm not re- I'm not saying anything. I'm just going to release it and Man, let hard. the cards fall the, where they may. The other piece of this that might come secondary to the the confidentiality is kind of like that is my friend going to be better off knowing this or am I just going to ruin his life? In other words, is he, uh, is he better off red pill or blue pill? You know, is he better off knowing the reality of it? I mean, cause you, you can make an argument both ways there as well. And you can't predict the future to know exactly like, yeah. is this, is him finding out, is this going to be a benefit for him because he can get, he can see through the reality of what's happening or is this going to cause, crushing damage to him in his marriage and something that could have been fixable or whatever like that that's the other piece too that that weighs well that and there's so oh like i try to look at it this way too like factually speaking i know the facts as far as if i release this 
I'm breaking whatever my job requirements are or whatever, and I'm putting my future risk. That's I don't, a known. I don't, I don't factually know what's going on in their marriage. I don't factually know what's happened between them. And I might see it on the outside like, oh, I thought everything was well, good. Well, you, know, yeah. you know she's uh, cheating on But I don't know. Like, has, like, did she catch him cheat on her, and she's pissed off and trying to get him back or whatever? You know, who knows? There's, you there's don't a have lot the of, same facts. There's a lot less true. Yeah, that, I, that I know for sure on this area. So I'll, I'll base putting something factually is based on something that I'm assuming is true. I think it's part of that. Cause yeah, within a relationship, I don't know how things are really going. I picture That's you just send her an email. You're all, Hey Julie. Uh, <laughs> what the well, heck? first off, she's wanna, an idiot uh, for, for sending that at work, knowing his best friend works as the well, network administrator. See, see, so that's the other thing I factor yeah. into this is she's going to know. I saw that. Yeah. She's going to know. I saw that. And, and, and no matter what, like, so I'm, I'm, I'm curious what happens after that. And I can speculate and that's starting to bring in option three, but not really. I mean, I'm just saying, I'm not, I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to yeah. say anything. She's going to know that I know. And because I know my hope would be, maybe she'll say something to, to preemptively cut me off from mm. doing anything about it, maybe but so. I'm not going to say anything about it because th- now, now that I know she knows that I know I'm hit. If I say anything, yeah. my job is over. And if I go over to get another network administrator job, which is now my profession that I went to school for, and again, I don't know much about network administrators, and I go there and they're going to say, oh, who's your reference? And I give my last job. Yeah, right, son. They're maybe maybe if you're job. applying at uh, Ashley Madison, they'll help you out. <laughs> it, <laughs> no, no, not there. They, you got to keep everything private. Yeah, it's even worse. Yeah. It, if we're running these scenarios through the filter of is this in my best interest and then then yeah you don't tell them yeah that's the other piece i agree that's the other piece sorry bro and and i and i think (laughs) i I like what you were saying dude that that actually made sense as far as like for um if you if you disclose it there's a known outcome you're hit if you don't disclose it, I mean, you don't know what's going on in your friend and his, like, like you said, like there's so many other variables. You don't know what's actually going on in the relationship. You, you don't know how the news, like it is the onus of responsibility on you to potentially ruin something. Like there, there's yeah. too many variables. Like, well, like I want to let them know out of what, why do you want to let them know? Ah, it seems the right thing to do. Yeah, is your it out of your loyalty? Your loyalty. It your feels friend. good. So loyal, loyalty is the factor here, right? Loyalty to my buddies, which I feel like I'm pretty loyal to my buddies. But here's the thing, though. So if you were in this situation and and like you were the buddy and you knew that me telling you would ruin my career and maybe you know devastate my family financially, would you then want me to tell? No. Nope. Most guys would say no. Actually, yeah. no. Right. Yeah. So that's so that's so loyalty works both ways. Loyalty is like loyalty does not mean that I'm gonna tell you something I know that will result in my career suffering and my family. Like that's not loyalty. That's stupidity. That helps yeah. me finalize self, my decision. Self, True. What is it? Selfly assured or mutually assured destruction. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's a good point too. Yeah, like what if? Yeah, that's that's a weird one. Like because I wouldn't want. I, my I would to... only tell you, quote unquote, if you were my real friend. But my real friend wouldn't want me to get yeah, canned would, would for want my job by job. telling him. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. If you had all those circumstances, you're if he was your real buddy, he'd be point. like, no, dude, just just I'll I'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that makes sense to me. Yeah, that's how I've kind of wrapped my mind around on it, something so. that would probably surface on its on its own in some way yeah but yeah going back to that that's usually the part it's like 
I'm assuming how this looks, but there's so much there. I have no idea if it's actually true. Because, yeah, what if you decide, like, I got to be loyal to my buddy, and then you tell him, and he's like, oh, yeah, dude, we already talked. Like, we're getting a divorce. Like, it's over. And then, and now <laughs> and I'm then you lose job. your job, and then your friend's like, dude, you idiot. Like, you know, it's, there's just too much not factual on that side of it. So for me, it's like, I know this is for sure. And what's going to happen there. So. I, 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 I know I wouldn't want my friend to put oh, yeah, me either. Out. So that's, that's fine. Right. Well, so <clears throat> to wrap this thing up, I mean, um, I don't know. The whole thing about this is, is this kind of goes back to the, who's that dude? Kohlberg. Isn't he the one who yeah. did moral Lawrence, stages? Lawrence Kohlberg. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Lawrence Fishburne. Lawrence Fishburne. Lawrence Fishburne. He invented he, he invented morals and the Matrix and Kung Fu. Dude, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so um, I, I guess uh, like so he kind of goes through these these different stages and everything. But anyway, what what we're talking about is that as cognitive development rolls around and as we get older and we become more advanced and we learn more about each other and empathic concern. When those come together, those kind of result in this moral decision-making. And this idea of I, I need to develop a focus on my own personal values. So I think for anybody listening to this, whether you're a client, whether you're you know just a listener or a clinician or whoever, I mean, this is these are good questions to kind of ask yourself to see where your values actually lie. And, ho- and I think exchanging attitudes and ideas, I mean – I would wonder if even in this room, minds changed as we were talking about some of these things, you know, because it's like, oh, wait, no, that's a good point. And then we kind of go over that or or it reemphasized why you were doing this beyond just like, oh, yeah, that's the thing I, I would do. I think sometimes you think this is the right thing to do, but knowing why that's the right thing to do is critical mm-hmm. for you continuing yeah, sure. to do that. So just saying because that's like the old old like when you when your parents say do this and then they're too lazy to give you an explanation so you say why (laughs) because i said so well that's not good enough like i mean that should be good enough but that's not good enough and i know that's not good enough like you need to give an explanation and it can be frustrating but in our minds we need to get there too making the right decision is is more right when we know why it's right so that that's a that's a big part of why we do this we, we find that out through forcing ourselves into uncomfortable situations yeah uh, uncomfortable decisions right. whether there's always an option c d e and f but by making your wedge into an a or a b you you find out what your actual values are a lot quicker yeah and and not and by the way man these are fake anybody listening to this like you, you mean this wasn't real well these oh, are man. these are this is, this is pretend land i mean we're just using <laughs> thought experiments here there's no reason to like not get, you know just really think about what you would do in these situations because you all of us at one point or another are going to be faced with a decision that has two equally shitty outcomes and we're going to have to make a decision like that's all there is to it and no decision is correct, but we want to know why you're making that decision. Like you want to know why you're making that decision. Ultimately, that if if the if the result of your decision results in two equally crappy outcomes, what you should do is stick to your values. But if you don't know your values, talking about these moral dilemmas is very helpful for helping you define your own personal values so you know what you would do in those circumstances. So if Doc Brown shows up in a time machine and says, hey, Mace, we're going to go back and kill baby Hitler, would you do it? Hell yeah, dude. 
<laughs> when I was in grad school, we had a shout out NAU 2015. Uh, no, we had a, it was in like a developmental site class. And we were talking about exactly this, about Kohlberg's stages of development and morals and everything. And uh, that was like the, the opener for class was, would you kill baby Hitler? I wouldn't kill and, Hitler though. I would, <laughs> what I would do is in the midst of traveling back in time, I'd kill Doc Brown. And then I'd go back <laughs> to like when I was in high school and I'd be like, don't say that stupid shit to that girl, dude. Like, <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't do that, dude. Like you're going to look like an idiot. That's like, another podcast. What would you do with the DeLorean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Dude. I wouldn't go back and kill Hitler because, I mean, I, I read that book. Uh, what was that book by Stephen King about killing Kennedy? Anyway. You'd go back and do crazy <laughs> history, fun stuff. History would right, right. history get all messed up. I'd, I'd have the least amount of impact. I'd, I'd just go back and, like, say, hey, dude, I'm, I'm, I'm you from the future. Well, just, the, just, don't, just don't look like an idiot <laughs> here's, the, here's the code to be contra. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> what, what was his name? Biff? He had, yeah. he had the right idea. Yeah, he Sports turned into, Almanac. Yeah, dude. Donald yeah. Trump. Yeah, dude. Yeah, he turned into <laughs> Donald <did>. Trump. <laughs> you did turn into Trump. <laughs> uh, no, we had a, for like the rest of my program, we had an, like we just show up for class because there were, there were 10 of us and uh, we had to be pretty tight and we just show up for class and one day be like, cause everyone, everyone except for one dude said he'd kill baby <laughs> Hitler. And so anytime we wanted to dig at that dude for the rest of the, oh, yeah. the, rest of the time, just it's like, weird, oh, Garrison I, didn't, uh, yeah. I wouldn't do that. Garrison's not going to kill Hitler. So I wouldn't do that. Not because of Hitler. I would just, I wouldn't do that because I mean, how be cooler stuff to do. Well, wait, yeah. wait, wait, <laughs> wait, what was this Hitler apologist's name? Garrison? It seems Garrison. Garrison. Garrison yeah. Garcia. Mr. What's Garrison. up, dude? Yeah. <laughs> I, I agree with you, dude. Like, if you didn't kill Hitler, maybe you don't exist. Like, I like being me. See? Yeah. I'm going to do unto the others that result in, that render me the best results. Yeah. Right? And if killing Hitler, I don't know what's going to happen after that. Maybe I never exist. Well, you, don't want someone to, you don't want someone to kill you. Yeah. It's like that. It's like yeah. that. You do that, and then that, it's that whole time thing and you just disappear you're all oh shit <laughs> what did i do i know people have talked about killing baby mace if they could go back in time <laughs> baby mace. well the problem if we get rid of hitler then we don't have anyone to compare every politician that's, to. that's true yeah where would politics yeah. go by the way folks that doesn't mean we're hitler advocates because we wouldn't go back in time with doc brown and kill and hitler. in fairness <laughs> to garrison he was my I, I, he's a good dude don't super stick good up for dude. garrison yeah don't no, stick no, up for no, that no 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 Thing was, I'm not going to go kill a baby. Like, I'm not going to go back in time and kill a baby. Oh, jeez. Right. That whole thing. Find teenager Hitler. Yeah. Would you kill teenager Find him just yeah. out of art school. Yeah, teenager zit-infested Hitler yeah. doing those shitty paintings. Kill that Hitler. Yeah. <laughs> Your art sucks. Yeah. All right. Should we close it down? Yeah, we'll wrap this up. Hey, man, we really appreciate you coming around. Thanks, Ed. You going to do this again? Oh, yeah. All right, cool. Oh, is this a good, this is a good, this is a good uh, episode for this so yeah we'll have you again man For any sure. other thoughts on this no cool let's wrap up okay bye bye mm. All right, folks, that does it for this episode of the podcast. We want to thank you for tuning in. We would like to thank Mr. Brett Hoxer for joining us on the show. That was a really fun one. Hope you enjoyed the moral dilemmas. So make sure you go on, follow us on whatever it is you choose to listen to podcasts on, and then also Facebook, Instagram, all that jazz. But we do want some responses on the moral dilemma one. So look us up online. Also check us out. Got our stuff up on YouTube. So it's Gorilla Social Work Podcast, G-U-E-R-R-I-L-L-A, Gorilla Social Work Podcast. And we're going to see you on the next episode where we're going to talk about guilt and shame. See you then.